Lonely song, the song's for you. As you know, a vineyard represents a school, an esoteric school. And an esoteric school is designed to create an environment in which an individual can develop. And in that vineyard, there's more than one individual. So there are a number of individuals. But the vineyard is there for the individual to develop. It uses individuals to help the individual develop. I'm going to read a parable about a vineyard. Found in Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 15. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. So clearly the kingdom of heaven is something that is outside of our world system. We have a hard time with the kingdom of heaven because our sense-based mind always wants to locate it up in the sky somewhere. There's like this magnet that draws our thoughts upward. You think of turning your eyes heavenward and you think of looking up. You think of the heavens and you think of the stars and the galaxies out there. But one of the things that esoteric teachings say is that the kingdom of heaven is within you, that it is at hand, that it's in you right now, that it is a place that is waiting for you to enter it, and that there are certain requirements for you to enter it. And you have to meet those requirements in order to enter this place in yourself where you can meet yourself, your real self, not this thing that you've acquired in life. Your real self, your real I is waiting for you inside of you in this state called the kingdom of heaven. And you will have to do certain things to get into the kingdom of heaven, to get into this state, just like you have to do certain things to get into a negative state. Now, mostly you know how to do those things automatically. You don't have to make any big effort to get into a negative state. You can just kind of like find your way there like a dog finds its way home or like a homing pigeon finds its way home. So this landowner, he agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent these men, these workers, out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, this is three hours later, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. Three hours later, he went out at noon. Then again, three hours after that, at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again. He saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. Can you see how similar this is between the story about to what can I compare this generation? Nobody hired us. Nobody's doing it for me. Nobody is giving me the right stuff. Nobody's giving me the job. Nobody hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, the guys who started at 6 a.m., they assumed they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner, those people worked only one hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us, who worked all day in the scorching heat. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. All right, so that's the parable. 
And we know that the purpose of the vineyard is to employ a man in the effort to produce fruit. The purpose of an esoteric school is to employ a man, an individual, man or woman, if you're of that particular mindset, that you have to hear it that way, then a man or a woman to produce fruit. On the literal sense level, the fruit is grapes, which will be used to produce wine. At the esoteric level, man finds work in the vineyard, and the fruit produced is in man. Not everyone works in a vineyard. One must be hired. You may also think, well, many are called, but few are chosen. Of all of the people who went to work in the vineyard, there were still a lot of people who didn't go to work in the vineyard. In fact, the majority of the people in the city didn't go to work in the vineyard. The majority of people in life don't go to work in the vineyard. You have to be hired. Now, what kind of people are hired? Workers. In other words, good householders who are ready to work, who have done something in life and they're ready to work. Those are the people who can be called to go to work in a vineyard. Do all of them go to work just because they can be hired? No, some of them don't. A vineyard may produce in a man either good fruit or bad fruit. A man who studies these ideas knows about them, even teaches them, may produce only sour grapes. Darshan Singh said, We cannot achieve our goal simply by reading books and scriptures. Spirituality does not merely postulate some truth about the nature of life. It offers a way to experience these truths firsthand by spiritual practices. But not everyone who is hired for these spiritual practices will go into the vineyard and work. The aim of these teachings is to produce new thoughts and new feelings in you. This aim can't be realized if one is unable to see the beauty in the vineyard. If you can't see the beauty in the vineyard, you're not going to have your thoughts and your feelings changed. You're not going to have new thoughts and new feelings produced in you. You've got to be able to see the beauty in the vineyard. We talked about this when we talked a few weeks ago about a beautiful mind. The most beautiful esoteric idea is that you can remember yourself. And the reason you can remember yourself is because you were created a self-developing organism. This idea is so heavy, it's so weighty, it's so dense with meaning that it could be talked about again and again and again. We could look at it over and over and over again and still discover new things about it because it's the truth. It's the truth that came down to this level, this level that we're on, from a much, much higher level. We don't even know how high. It came down from the kingdom of heaven. Now, remember the kingdom of heaven is within you, so the truth is within you. But in order to enter it to where the truth is, you've got to meet certain requirements. You can't just walk in any old way. Remember the parable about the wedding feast and the guy who ended up in the wedding feast, but he didn't have any wedding garments. Well, he was tossed out. Then there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, what does that mean? Well, why did you toss me out? That's not fair. That's what it means. Interestingly, a grape blossom isn't very pretty. Now, not many people have seen grape blossoms, but I did look up pictures of grape blossoms. And they don't really have leaves so much. They just kind of have these little sticks. Like They look like these little pointy kind of sticks with a little bulb thing on the end, and it never really develops into a petal. I mean, it has leaves, but it doesn't really develop into a petal, like a flower, like a rose might, or like some other flower would. So it's not very pretty. As a matter of fact, it's kind of ugly. The vine is prized for its fruit. It's not prized for its flower. Unfortunately, with our minds, 
we prize everything for the flower, and we don't really care that much about the fruit. And another way they say that is, if you give a man new wine, he doesn't really like it. He says, no, the old is better. We're talking about new thoughts and new feelings. And these are things that we imagine that we want. But the truth is, how we behave is that the old is better. The new isn't as good. Our life, as it is in our condition, the condition in which esotericism finds us, in the marketplace, or in the town square, or wherever esoteric truth finds us. And it finds us in life, and that's what those things represent, in life. Life is a marketplace for some people. That's what they're all about. They're all about getting what they want. Or life is eHarmony.com for some people. They're just trying to find Mr. or Mrs. Wright. Or, excuse me, Mr. or Miss, Ms. Wright. It's not, they're not necessarily looking for Mrs. Wright. They want to make her Mrs. Wright, whatever that means. So where esotericism finds us really isn't very pretty. It's more like the flower of a vine, not the fruit. Man lives in a very bad state of life full of jealousy, lies, violence, and hatred. It's because we don't remember ourselves. We live in that state because we don't remember ourselves. We've fallen asleep in life. We're found under life's hypnotic sleep, governed by negative emotions. When you're asleep, you are governed by negative emotions. A little bit of quick thinking, if you change this equation around, you know that 3 plus 2 equals 5. But what does 2 plus 3 equal? 5. But it's just the equation changed around a little bit. This is the same thing. We're found under life's hypnotic sleep, governed by negative emotions. So we know that if we get under life's hypnotic sleep, then we're going to be governed by negative emotions. That's 3 plus 2 equals 5. But what we don't often look at is when we are having negative emotions we are asleep. That's 2 plus 3 equals 5. We don't see it that way. There's something that blocks us from seeing it that way. We think that if we're under a life's hypnotic sleep, okay, we're governed by negative emotions. Life did it to us. But if we're having negative emotions, we don't see that we're asleep because we imagine we're awake. That's our blind spot. And it's a blind spot that you're not going to have revealed to you in the first line of work. Unless we try to awaken in ourselves, each of us, separately, will remain under the power of hypnotic sleep, governed by the wrong influences. And chief among those wrong influences, the major one, is going to be negative emotions. So there is this effort that needs to be made in the first line of work. Each of us, separately, must try to awaken in ourselves. But it's not enough to simply try to awaken in yourself. It is not enough. Now, there are people who think it is enough, and they think they're doing just fine, and that's okay. They will do that. But what this work teaches, what esoteric Christianity teaches, is it's not enough, no matter what you think. So you may not like this new thought or this new feeling. It may not seem like a very good one to you, but this is the purpose of this work, to produce new thoughts and new feelings in you. The world is the way it is because two sleeping people will never understand each other. That's why the world is the way it is, because two sleeping people will never understand each other. Now, if you have two people trying to awaken, there's a possibility that they can understand each other, but only where they meet with esoteric ideas. They're not going to understand each other anywhere else. If they meet with esoteric ideas, if they make that their foundation, then they will have a possibility of understanding one another. There are four states of consciousness, as you know. Physical sleep, 
psychological sleep, self-remembering, and man awake. Okay, so the first state of consciousness, physical sleep, is when you're lying on your bed, snoring, or whatever you're doing. The second one is psychological sleep, also called waking sleep. And that is when your moving center becomes active. So you get out of your bed and you can brush your teeth and shower and do all the things you do mechanically. That's called waking sleep. But in that state of waking sleep, we imagine that we are fully awake. The third state of consciousness is man awakening. And it's only open to people who begin to see that their ordinary state of consciousness, psychological sleep, is literally psychological sleep. That they are literally asleep with their moving center active. The only people who can get into the third state of consciousness are those who discover the second state of consciousness. You can be told about it, but that doesn't mean anything. You have to discover it yourself. And that's where that first thing happens. Unless we try to awaken in ourselves, each of us separately will remain under the power of hypnotic sleep. And then, of course, we remain governed by the wrong influences. And the wrong influences are negative emotions. And there are others as well. But those are the major wrong influences. So self-remembering is man awakening. Then the fourth state of consciousness, which we really won't talk much about because we really can't say much about it, is objective consciousness. Now, mankind is not awake. Let's just get that straight. He's living in the second state, waking sleep. It's different from the first state, which is physical sleep, in that, as I've said, the moving center is active in the second state of consciousness. There are two states of consciousness where man doesn't have to practice external considering or self-remembering. The fourth state is objective consciousness. You don't have to practice self-remembering. You don't have to practice external considering there. The second state of consciousness is waking sleep. You don't have to practice external considering, and you don't have to practice self-remembering there, because you imagine that you're already awake and that you already externally consider everybody. So you don't have to practice it. So the fourth and the second states of consciousness are the places where you don't have to practice those things. Well, then where do you have to practice those things? The only place you can practice those things is in the third state of consciousness, in man awakening, in the state of self-remembering. In the fourth state, he would see things as they really are, both himself and others. He'd be fully awake, which is the object of esoteric teachings. It's what the vineyard is for. It's to finally produce a man who is fully awake. It's to produce the fullness of what wine can be, what a man can be, the fullness of what man can be, is a man fully awake. That is the purpose of esoteric teachings. That is the purpose of the vineyard. The second state, he imagines himself already fully awake. He'll feel no need to practice external considering or self-remembering. He imagines he sees things as they really are, both himself and others. If you are asked about a person, you have an opinion about that person. You don't call it an opinion. You say that's who that person is. You are certain of it. You don't question it because you're in the second state of consciousness, waking sleep. If you're awakening and someone asks you who that person is, Curtis and I had this conversation yesterday afternoon or a conversation like this. We were talking about someone who he's mm, having problems with. And he said, well, he's this and he's that. And Curtis was in the second state of consciousness. His mouth was moving, but he was sound asleep. And I said, well, Curtis, he's not really like that. He has an eye like that. He may have a lot of eyes like that. Then he has a lot of these other eyes, too, and he has a lot of these other eyes. And I started to point out all the different eyes. Well, what happened was Curtis moved from the second state of consciousness into the third state of consciousness. Well, the third state of consciousness is man awakening. In other words, he started to see things. Oh, that's right. I remember now. That's right. These ideas are something that I apply to this person, too. 
and in this situation right now. So that was what happened, my illustration. So we imagine we see things as they really are until we get a glimpse of things as they really are. And then we see that we were wrong. There are some people who can't be wrong. They can't do this work. That's it. You can't be wrong. You can't do this work. That's all there is to it. You have to be able to be wrong in order to do this work. And the more wrong you can be, the more of this work you can do. Now, that's kind of sad in a way when you consider you spend most of your life being right. So you spend most of your life in the second state of consciousness where you can't do this work. You just imagine that you see everything as it really is and everyone as they really are, even yourself. So I see how I really am. All these other people don't appreciate me. The second state is a most effective way to ward against the third and fourth states. It completely blocks the way because imagination satisfies every center in a man. Self-satisfied men don't seek to remember themselves. Self-satisfied men aren't out in the marketplace looking to be hired to work in a vineyard. Due to these conditions, it's necessary to do work every day on three areas we've talked about for the past three weeks. Those areas, I'm sure you remember, are negative emotions, identifying, and internal considering. These are the three big areas that we have to work on every day. If you're going to work in the vineyard, you need to work in the vineyard on these three areas. Negative emotions, identifying, and internal considering. Unfortunately, these things aren't easy to work against. If we have an aim to awaken, they become a little bit easier to work against. If we're sincere, we're shown internally how they keep us asleep. The problem is we can be sincere and not see how they keep us asleep. You have to be sincere and willing to be wrong because you're not going to see. When Curtis and I were talking about this individual yesterday or he was talking about the person and I said, well, no, they aren't just like that. They're also like this. There are many eyes in that person. He started to wake up, but in order to wake up, he had to be wrong. He had to admit that he was wrong. He had to admit that he was asleep. But the problem is with the second state is we can't seem to admit that we're asleep because we can't feel it. We imagine we're awake. We're satisfied in ourselves. Self-satisfied people don't awaken. When you begin to awaken, some very strange things begin to happen in you. Most people turn back at this stage. Beginning to awaken is like having two clocks, each clock telling a different time. We've all got an antique clock. It's the prized antique grandfather clock that we keep here or we keep there, and it's in a prominent position in our house. And what that means is the antique clock is the way we think. If we go on thinking as we always have, that's the time that we're running by. We have that clock inside of us telling us that time. This clock is prized by the world. If we begin to undergo metanoia, which you remember is a change of thinking, a radical change of thinking, and we start to think in a new way, we get a new clock that never quite agrees with the time of the antique clock on which the world runs. And when you don't agree with the world, when you're not on their schedule, you're a little out of kilter and they don't really like that much. So, as I said, strange things begin to happen in you because you start to sink differently. The majority of people cannot go against the tide of time. Their valuation is based on self-interest, leaving them no force 
for valuation of these beautiful ideas. I don't know if you get how beautiful an idea self-remembering is. I hope that before we're finished, you at least have a little whiff of it, that some of the, the fragrance of that fruit will waft your way, that you'll be able to emotionally pick up something from it. The purpose of intellectually stimulating you is to stimulate your emotional center because your emotional center is so well guarded by self-love and self-interest. It cannot be approached directly or rarely can it be approached directly. How often do you think you let your emotional guard down? <laughs> right. So it's not very often it can be approached directly. So we approach it through the intellectual center. Without valuation, the ideas may appear pretty, but they will never be seen as beautiful. It's like, you remember the Tower of Babel? They had bricks for stone, slime for mortar, and we have pretty for beautiful. The false personality's answer to the beauty of the work is half ideas. These beautiful ideas we give up for pretty ideas that are not the same thing as beautiful ideas. Esoteric teachings agree we came down from a very high level and were plunged through the planetary worlds onto this earth and surrounded by flesh and blood. Who you are has been surrounded by or encased in or encrusted in flesh and blood. But it's not who you are. Sadly, we became hypnotized by this life, by worldly things, and self-love began to dominate us. And that self-love resides pretty much in the body and our body identification. We have something in us this life can't ever satisfy. No matter how many honors you receive, no matter how much wealth you accumulate, or anything like that, you will not be satisfied. This is the first stage towards self-remembering. This dissatisfaction is the first stage towards self-remembering. Sadly, there are many people who think that once they're dissatisfied with life, that they're remembering themselves. No, you're just being negative. That's all. You're just dissatisfied with life. Unless you start to remember yourself, unless you start to use these ideas, unless you start to value these ideas and see the beauty of them, you'll stay in being dissatisfied. It's like growing some leaves. Then you begin to feel the beauty of the work, ideas, which is like producing blossoms. You see far more than you did before. Finally comes the fruit stage in which you must produce grapes. It's only possible when you begin to see the goodness in a big way and will it. You've got to be able to see the goodness of these ideas in a big way, bigger than yourself, much bigger than yourself. I know that your life is the only life that's important to you. I get that. When I say your life, I mean, of course, your wife, your husband, your children, your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your life, whatever your life is, is the only thing that's important to you. I get that. That's part of the hypnotic sleep of life. That's part of the second state of consciousness. If our goodness remains in life, our grapes are sour. Like the workers who were negative because some got paid the same as they were paid when they worked all day and these other guys didn't. And they produced sour grapes. They were in the same vineyard, but they produced sour grapes because they couldn't see the beauty of the idea. What was the idea? The idea that this belongs to me and I can do with it whatever I want. And if I choose to be kind to these people and give them more, then that's my choice. But they couldn't see it that way because they were so full of self-love, so self-centered, so full of self-interest that they couldn't see the beauty of the ideas. Because the ideas are so much bigger that they have to include all of these other people. All of these other people who we have excluded. 
We must each try to see the meaning of esotericism for ourselves, its goodness, in our understanding hearts. In your understanding heart, you must begin to see the goodness of these ideas, the hugeness of these ideas, the beauty of these ideas. And then you've got to will it because your false personality will not go willingly. You must will it and strive for it. Your false personality will attempt to hinder you. If we're evil and hate, no fruit can come except sour grapes. It's necessary to work on one's being. If you don't work on your being, this teaching can't possibly produce any good fruit in you. You manifest in matter, what's part of a cosmic matter.